Let me hear you. Come on, y'all. One time. Give it up for this band. Man, a little country music, man. It's a God thing, son. And I'm telling you, I am so thankful that you got up and made it to church today. Turn to somebody right now and say, dude, you did good. You made it. Come on. Give me a little love. Now, the reason I say that, it is easy to sleep in and miss something special that happens in this room. And next week, I mean, today's going to be good, but next week is something you do not want to miss. Just go ahead and mark your calendars. We need your help. And we're going to be packing some food for some kids. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it in this message. But don't miss this week. I mean, next week. Just because you're here this week, don't go, oh, well, I, I missed. Oh, we need you. We've got to have you, all right? So I'm super thankful for you being here. Thanks for tuning in online. Many people watching around the country, around the world. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. We're wrapping up this series called Problem Solving 101, and it's, it's summer school. This is the whole summer school lesson. School is about to start. Can I give it up for the teachers in the room? Come on. Let them know. Come on, y'all. I'm just going to remind you how tough it was when we had that homeschool thing going on when the pandemic happened. Nobody wants to do that again. So let me just tell you right now, teachers, you are truly our heroes. We love you and we thank you. One more time, give them a little love. Come on, yes. So why do I talk about that and bring that up? Well, it's because it's summer school and we're trying to wrap it up because it is time to teach you a lesson today that I think you will really, really help. Uh, I know that for me, this is probably my favorite lesson when it comes to problem solving because I'm still working on it. I know it's true, but I don't always apply it the way that I should. And that's why I'm super grateful that you're here today or watching. Here is the opening question I want you to ponder as we go down this journey today. Have you ever felt like you just can't solve your own problem? Maybe it's something that you're working through and you're like, man, I have prayed about it. I am trying to get through this situation, but it seems like everything that I try, it's just not working. It could be anything, okay? If you're single in the room, you're like, I've been praying for Mr. Wright or Miss Wright. Oh, my gosh, I get it. It could be a financial situation. Man, Lord, I've tried. I got this job. I've been putting money away, and then it's one thing after another. You just get frustrated. It could be a health problem. You could go through all kinds of things. You're like, all right, why can't I solved this problem. And God, where are you? I need you. Well, what we're going to look at today is a very unusual, kind of a tripped out biblical lesson that I think if you can apply it, it really will help you because it answers that question that we just asked. How do you solve a problem that you just can't get an answer to? Well, I'm going to go ahead and just start the lesson with it. Get your pen out, take your phone out, take a picture, do what you got to do. This is how you do it. You work on someone else's problem and let God work on your problem. Now, this is counterintuitive because you're tempted to think, I can't, how am I going to go work on somebody else's problem when I got all of this going on? I don't have time to do that. I don't have the energy to help somebody else when I've got my own financial problems, my own health problems, my own relationship problems. I ain't got time to help nobody else. We all realize that it is very hard to help others when you're the one in need of help. If you've ever been in a situation where you're going, man, I need something, I need some help, and you are really focused on your problem, you don't really pay attention to what else is going on. But here is the biblical lesson that I'm fixing to reveal to you, 
And in 16 years of Simple Church, I know it to be true. I just don't always do it the way I should. But if you and I can take our hands off of your own problem and go and help someone else or be good to someone else, God, and I'm going to show you through Scripture, will put his hands on your problem. And he will make things happen that you could not make happen on your own. No matter how much you try, no matter how much effort you put into it, you just can't do it. One great passage of scripture that kind of helps you with this is very short and very simple, but it lines up with what I'm talking about. Psalm 37, 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. And you go, well, Justin, what are you talking about? Well, here is why I say this is a challenge. Many of us don't really trust that the Lord can handle our problems. That's why you're trying to handle them yourself. That's why you're trying to come up with solutions and trying to figure out what you're going to do. But the key component in what we're fixing to do is, God, I know you can handle my trouble. You can handle my business trouble. You can handle my relationship trouble. You can handle what it is. And as I'm trusting you, then I can have the energy and the strength to turn around and do good, help someone else. Another way to say it would be, be good to others in your time of need. So think about this for a second. You got your own problems. If I were to tell you right now, what's the problem you can't solve and you're thinking it out or you write it down or it's in your mind, for me to challenge you to take your mind off of your own problem and go help someone else is difficult. But there is a biblical principle and a concept that we're going to see in this message today that will really help you. And it goes all the way back to the Old Testament. There is a story of two young ladies, one by the name of Ruth and one by the name of Orpha. Not Oprah, but Orpha. Close, all right? Both of their husbands were tragically died. They both tragically died. Some think they were killed. Some said that it was famine in the area. But these young, young ladies were married, had the hope of the future. They had their spouse they were going to be taken care of. And something tragic happens and they die. Not only is the story about Ruth and Orpha, it is also about their mother-in-law named Naomi. All of these women were experiencing extreme grief and loss. Naomi lost both of her sons because both of her sons were married to both Ruth and Orpha. And when they both died, not only did she lose her son, she also lost her husband. So you're talking about a woman who has had three major losses in her life in Naomi. Then you've got Ruth and Orpha. They both lost their husbands. And remember, this is 2,000 years ago where... The culture was different. The times were different. You needed a man to be able to help take care of all your land, to take care of the farm, to go through all of the processes that they had to go through 2,000 plus years ago. So this was a difficult, difficult circumstance and situation. So in the midst of the, all of their loss, Naomi, the mother-in-law, goes to both of these young ladies and she said, here's what I want y'all to do. We've all experienced the loss of our husbands. Y'all just go and find a better life. Just leave me. I'm old. I'm depressed. There is no future for me. Young ladies, y'all go figure out your future. Well, in the midst of all of this, this is where we're going to jump into the scripture in Ruth chapter 1. It says this. So again, they cried very much. Proves the depression. All of them weeping, going through difficult times. And then Orpha kissed Naomi goodbye. So she was like, hey, mother-in-law, I got it. I'm going to go on and find my life. But notice, Ruth hugged her and stayed. 
Now, this is a little unusual because if you're in that same situation and things have gone bad and your loved one looks at you and says, hey, you just need to go on with your life. The future looks better out there. Get away from me. Get away from the circumstances. Y'all are young. Go figure it out. But Ruth's like, no, I'm not leaving you. So Naomi comes back at her and she says this. Look, Naomi says, your sister-in-law has gone because Orpha, she went on her own. She left. She went back to her own people and her own guys. You should do the same. Naomi's driving home the point. She's like, look, Ruth, you don't understand. Your sister-in-law's gone. I'm your mother-in-law. You're not committed to me. You have a family of your own. You have a land of your own. Just go back where you came from. Let me be depressed. <laughs> Let me go through all my trouble. Leave me alone. You go do what your sister-in-law's done. And in Naomi's time of need, because she knew, Ruth looked at her, knew how depressed she was, knew how difficult it was, Ruth decided to not focus on her own problem of losing her own husband, but she actually turned her focus to helping Naomi, her mother-in-law. Now, let me just say that again. Not her own mama, her mother-in-law. Now, I don't know what your family's like. I have a great mother-in-law, but not everybody does. Can I get an oh me, all right? This woman decided to not focus on herself, not focus on her own family, not focus on her own loss. She shifted her focus to her mother-in-law. And she put her own personal needs last. Even with Naomi pushing her away, go, go, go. You got to get out of here. Go on, do it. But watch what happens. Ruth comes back to Naomi and looks at her. And this is what she says. But Ruth said this, don't force me to leave you. Don't force me to go back to my own people. Let me go with you. Because wherever you go, that's where I'm going to go, Naomi. And where you sleep, that's where I'll sleep. And your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. And where you die, Naomi, this is a commitment. Look at what you're saying. Where you die, that's where I'm going to die. And that's where I'm going to be buried. It's not just a short commitment. I am going to stay with you and take care of you until the point that you go home. And then if you want to know how serious she was about this, Ruth goes next level. And I ask the Lord to punish me if I don't keep this promise. Only death will separate us. Now, what tripped me out about this story? Now, I'm not a biblical scholar. Nobody's accused me of that, and you know that. But 25 years ago this year, I got married. Can I get an amen for Angie? Come on, y'all. Whoop, whoop. And on my wedding ring, right here, this scripture is inscribed. James Avery. And on it is this Ruth passage, and it's this, where you go, I'll go, where you stay all day. People talk about it at weddings. Nobody really focuses on it was between Ruth and her mother-in-law, not husband and wife. Can I get an amen on that? I'm like, that's kind of tripped out. Like, what is this all about? Well, here is the principle. Why would you put it on a wedding ring? Why would you be reminded of it on a day like today? Is because here is the principle. If you want to know about sacrifice... If you want to know about commitment, if you want to know about how to get the most out of life, get the most out of your marriage, get the most out of friendships, get the most out of everything, it is about death to self. It is about not meeting your needs first, it's about meeting other needs first. And in this biblical lesson, the reason they put it on a wedding ring is because it's a principle that we can apply to all relationships. If you really want to get the most out of life, if you really want to solve your own problems, focus on solving the other person's problems. Don't get selfish. Don't get self-absorbed. You go, you know what? 
I got my own problems, but the way that I'm going to solve them is I am going to trust God and I am going to put my energy into doing good for others. And as a result, God is going to work on my behalf. Now you go, Justin, is that really true? Well, look at the story of Ruth. I could give you other biblical examples. Joseph would be another one, but today we're looking at Ruth. By Ruth helping Naomi, it led to all of Ruth's prayers being answered. She married the man of her dreams. She had all of her needs met. God came through and blessed her in ways that were unbelievable. And just to prove that, here's Ruth chapter 2. Because remember, Naomi didn't really ask for anything. She's like, leave me alone. But Ruth said, I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to serve you, Naomi. And in return, God said, hey, Ruth, I see your problems. And I'm going to answer your problems because you are a servant to your mother-in-law. Chapter 2, Ruth. Boaz answered her, this is Ruth's husband now. This is the man of her dreams. This is the one who met all of her needs. This is the one that came through. When Ruth didn't even know that was going to happen, she was focused on Naomi. Boom, God answers all of her issues. And he says to her, I know about all the help you've given to your mother-in-law, Naomi. I know you helped her even after her husband died. And I know that you left your father and your mother your own country because she, she died to herself. And you came here to this country, a country you didn't know. You didn't know anyone, but you came here to be with Naomi. So Boaz is like, I've watched, I've seen this. And then look at what happens. And the Lord will reward you for all the good things you've done. Boaz is coming back, he's like, hey, you know what, Ruth? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense because you didn't try to solve your own problems. You didn't get focused on your own problems. You didn't get consumed with your own problems. You focused on someone else's. And as a result, the Lord will reward you from full. I like that. Somebody sneezed or said, amen. I don't know. <laughs> you have come to him for safety and he will protect you. So let me just bring this back to you and me. You're in here, you walked in, you're trying to solve a problem, you're trying to get something resolved, relationship problem, financial problem, whatever it is. And you're praying for a miracle, God, I need this, man, you need to come through me, oh my God. But what do we learn from this story and what's the lesson to apply to all of us here today? And I struggle with it just like you. But in the simple church, I'm pushing us all to it because it gives me ways to push myself to it. And here it is, when you're praying for a miracle, Maybe God is asking us to go be the miracle. So when you're so absorbed with, I gotta have this for me, I gotta have this for those, maybe what he's trying to do is like, no, 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 listen to me. Trust me. I'm gonna meet your needs when you focus on meeting other people's needs. I'm gonna be with you when you take the focus off of yourself and you begin to say, others are more important than myself. But we all struggle with it, we're Americans. We deserve it. It's hard. Well, I, I, I work hard. I can do that. I can make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to solve my own problems. God's like, no, sometimes you get in situations and he reminds you, you can't solve this one. This is too big. It's overwhelming. I don't know how I'm going to get through it. And he's like, I'll tell you how you're going to get through it. You're going to take the focus off yourself. You're going to learn to trust me at a level that you didn't think you could do. And when you begin to serve other people, I'm going to say, man, I love that in you, and I got your back, and I'm going to take care of you. Now, in case you missed this series, because I know people are in and out. It's a four-week-long series. Go back and watch all of them, but I'm going to take you back to week one because there's a lesson in this. 
I played this video you're about to see in week one because it's pretty powerful to show you an example of taking the focus off of yourself, looking at someone else's needs, and God doing something in your life. And who is it about, and what's the age group of the people? Believe it or not, it's kids. These kids learn this lesson. Pretty valuable lesson, and I'm going to tell you more about why I want you to see it again after we watch it. Check it out. At Glen Lake Elementary in Hopkins, Minnesota, recess is a mixed blessing. On the one hand, there's so much to do. But on the other hand, not everyone can do it. It just didn't seem fair that some kids were just left out. And it's really sad to see other kids go through that. They didn't look happy, and recess is about having fun. Glen Lake has a lot of students with physical disabilities, but no wheelchair merry-go-round, swings, or any adaptive playground equipment whatsoever. Come on in. Which really bothered the kids in Betsy Julian's fifth grade class, to the point where one day they asked her, why can't we just buy the equipment ourselves? I said, do you know how much that costs? Yeah. It costs a lot of money. $300,000. $300,000, by her estimation. But the kids were undeterred. They started collecting spare change, then held a bake sale, printed flyers, and went door to door. Then they began cold calling businesses and even got restaurants to donate a portion of their profits. This went on for months until last week when they hit their goal. We were all very happy on the inside and on the outside. The smile on my face, I could say, was an ear-to-ear -ear smile. I was just really happy that we made it. Reese Riley says they worked so hard. It was overwhelming to finally know a more inclusive playground would be coming. You're a good kid. Thanks. And as for the kids who will benefit, they seem to appreciate the effort almost more than the result. First time I set foot on this playground, I'm probably gonna start crying. From seeing the effort that all the school has made. Mrs. Julian couldn't agree more. My future as an adult is bright knowing that this generation of students, of change makers, see something that needs fixing and they go for it head first. The whole thing. Head first and dive deep. What's our next step? After raising the 300000 Mrs. Julian's class set a new goal, to the ceiling and beyond. They now hope to buy adaptive playground equipment for other schools in the district, turning loneliness and isolation into child's play. Steve Hartman, On the Road, in Hopkins, Minnesota. Come on, y'all. How cool is that, right? We showed it the first week, and you're saying, well, why do you show it again? We all know we're in the boardwalk. We're trying to relocate here in the next year or so. We got a building program, and we got our own problems. Simple Church has its own financial needs and issues, and we're working through all that. You've been generous. People are trying to help, but here's what hits me. I get back to my office. I talk about the first week. We got our own problems. We're trying to build. We need money. Blah, blah. Many of you committed. Well, I get an email after the first week. And somebody goes, hey, Justin, I don't know if y'all can do anything or not. But there's a local school in Shreveport. And these are the faces of the kids. And they're trying to build their playground. And they don't have any money. They're just a little short on this, a little short on that. Is there any way 
that you would talk about it, that you would try to help? If I try to focus just on the simple church and our problems, I will miss God. And I want you to know that. And so for 16 years, I have given you opportunities that God has given us to take our focus off of ourselves and go, hey, let's don't try to raise money for ourselves. I say we try to build the playground for these kids in Shreveport. Can I get an amen on that? So we're not passing a plate for us today. I'm not asking you to do something for us today. But what I am challenging you with, what's the simple church plan? What's God's plan? How are we going to get through this? What are we going to do? How are we, what if we give to that and we don't make our goal? Let's let God work about that. See, our goal right now is to go, God, we see the problem. We have our own problems. But we will take the focus off of ourselves, and we will solve this problem. And we will be a part of the solution. And just like these kids, learn a very valuable lesson. And I want you to know the lesson. I want your kids to know the lesson. I want us to grow up in a church that understands, well, it's not all about us. Well, give me, give me, we need this and we need that. No, the truth is, for 16 years, and I hope till he returns, till Jesus returns, we are known for solving problems. Not our problems, but other people's problems. And let God handle our problems. And what are we going to do? I'm asking, if you got any extra resources, if you could put a little money aside on your way out, there's two TVs with two little blue boxes underneath them. Put a little money in there to let's solve this problem. Raise some money to help make sure that in our local community, they have a playground that their kids can play on. Why would you do that, Justin? Because when we help solve other people's problems, God says, I'll help solve yours. I know it doesn't make sense to you. It's counterintuitive. It seems weird. But there is a Ruth biblical example. There's a real world example that you just saw with these kids. And as I go through the message, I'm going to keep giving you more and more examples. And I'm going to keep challenging you to take the focus off of yourself and learn how to help others. And in that process, God does something in us. Now, why did I tell you to be here next week? I'm glad you're here this week. I'm glad you're watching online. But get out of bed, bring your kids and your grandkids next Sunday. Why? It's because we're going to be packing some food packages to go into backpacks for local kids in our community as they start school that don't have enough food. And you go, well, when will that happen? I'm going to put the little thing on the screen for you here, a little icon so you'll know. August 6th, bring $5. Some of you go, man, I barely have $5. I get it. Not a penny of it comes to us. We're all going to give it to these children in our local school and we need your help because when we buy the food we need your help packing the food it is a great way to teach your kids your grandkids this is for kids that don't have what we have and you go well what does it look like and does it really matter well here's a little recap video so you'll see why we need you out in the lobby next week and when you gather and bring your kids and your grandkids not only will you see what it does for you but you will most importantly see what it does for these local schools like the one in this video. Watch. We have all of our blessings, so it's good to be able to give them a packet once in a while. We have so many friends that are teachers, and I'm sure that they see students all the time that don't have enough um, and that would really benefit from this. So hopefully we'll be able to help some of that, ease some of that burden. 
I just wanted to uh, show the kids how to give back to other kids. Park Elementary School and it just makes my heart sing to see the church taking these the time to pack backpacks for kids that need it so much. There's so many children that are come to school hungry that this is going to be such a great help. Julia Henry and I'm the principal at Sun City Elementary and this is Dee Dee Mitchell, our counselor. We have about 25 students currently who receive backpacks every week on Fridays yes. of extra food to go home for the weekend. I am means a lot and uh, when we have holidays and long holidays, uh, they're some of them are concerned that uh, they won't get additional food. Some students even come during the week, ask if they're going to get it on Friday. So this is going to help out a whole lot. So we are very grateful to Mr. Spud and the Simple Church. Oh, y'all give yourselves a round of applause. You're making it happen. What do you want to be known for? What do we want to be known for? Solving problems. Why do we want to do that? Because when we meet these needs, God is glorified. It brings Him honor. And now you know it might just help you solve your problems as well. There are biblical principles that I don't fully understand. It's kind of tripped out the way it works, but here's the deal. Story after story, example after example, there is this mindset that Jesus calls us to. Die to self, trust me, and let me meet your needs. And another need that came to my you know, email box and then phone calls, and that was in our local police departments. We helped Shreveport start their CIT program. We helped Bossier. And then they came to me recently and said, hey, man, we need $3,500 to continue our uh, crisis intervention training. And that is to help them understand when someone is in crisis and how you handle that policing a little bit different, but then also understanding how to work on your mental health as a police officer, as a first responder. And so I didn't ask. I just went and said, hey, we're going to do it. So I cut them a check, $3,500, dude, it's done. And people are going, well, how, why would you do that in the midst of everything else going on? You know, we have our own needs because when we solve other people's problems, God has a way of meeting our needs. And so how are we going to do that today? If you want to help, if you want to support, you can go out into the lobby. And that's why we set the Do Good Store up because the Do Good Store is not about making money. Trust me, we lose money, I promise you. But any of the proceeds that we get from selling T-shirts like this, this is a blue line with a little Do Good in the Heart, uh, there's the alien shirt. Come on, man. You've seen the aliens in the news this week. You know what's going on. So we're having a little fun with it, obviously. But why would we do all of these things and sell these products? Because we take the proceeds and give it to local organizations that are in need of financial help. And you can get a fun shirt. You can tell the story. You can continue to do good in a pretty simple way. By purchasing something, it all goes to good causes. So go out there today. Donate to the school in those little blue stations if you want. Go out there and buy a shirt. All of it goes to help. Come next week, bring your $5, pack a bag of food. Make sure kids in our local schools know that they're loved and their needs are met. And I got one other really good one. And that is the hub right here in downtown Shreveport working with the homeless population. You and your family can sign up August 15th, 29th, 12th, and 26th are opportunities for you to go in and share 
and love on these people who are in need of help. They now give you an opportunity for your family to teach your kids how to serve those in need. And it's through providing meals, you sign up. We need to know you're going to do it. We want you to sign up and be a part of it. But it's another great way to take the focus off of yourself and turn around and help others in need. That's what the Simple Church tries to do. And here's another great opportunity. One last opportunity in the pre-show, you know, before the service, we do a 30-minute pre-show. We celebrated another great teacher in our area, uh, Corey Craig. She is the Louisiana Middle School Teacher of the Year. Give her a little more love. Come on, y'all. That's pretty awesome. And while we love Corey, she plays on stage. She's a great musician, uh, phenomenal teacher, educator in our community. But one of the needs that she brought up, a problem that is in our community, is they don't have instruments for kids that can't afford them. So we want you to band together with us. This is Corey, her idea, and we're trying to kind of rally around that to help her. But if you have an instrument that's not being used, I had a guy in the lobby just a minute ago came up and he said, man, I have a xylophone. It's taking up space in my shop. I need to give it to Corey. And I'm like, bring it to the office. We'll make sure she gets it. Other people have given financially. They're like, hey, man, I, can't, I don't have any instruments, but I give $5 a year or whatever. And we'll put that money together and try to help kids in our community have an opportunity to play music, to learn music, and could possibly change the direction of their life, just like it did with Corey. She's got an amazing story. Uh, the Grammys right now, you know the Grammys nationwide. They're, she's in the, uh, I think, quarterfinals again already for one of the teachers in the education programs in America. Corey's there. Why? Because of her heart and because of what she's doing for kids and music. All of these educators in our community, I thank God for you, and I thank God for your heart because the focus is not on yourself. It's on others, and when you do that, God does something special. Now, I found this next video because I wanted Corey to be able to see that she's not alone and that there's some really cool things happening as a result of people meeting others' needs, taking the focus off of themselves. God does something pretty powerful in that moment. And here is another great example. And what's it about? Take a wild guess. Musical instruments. Pretty cool. Watch. For Charlie and Dorothy Hale of Rochester, New York, every day is like Christmas morning. Ooh. Bright, shiny woodwinds and worn-out old brass. Brown cardboard packages tied up with strings. Used musical instruments are their favorite things. This just came from FedEx. They show up all day without intermission. That's a big one. And each piece in some form of disrepair. Oops, I told you it had some problems. They started out buying these broken instruments a few years ago after Dorothy took a class in instrument repair. I always loved to take things apart. And it's about time I learned how to put something together. <laughs> I put shellac on that. Dorothy, a retired chemist, and Charlie, a retired doctor, are both now in their 80s but still very active in this passion, to restore musical instruments to their former glory and then give them away by the hundreds. So far, the Hales have donated nearly a thousand instruments to the Rochester School District. Allison Schmidt is the lead teacher for the arts department. Can everybody play an instrument here who wants to? Absolutely, it's unbelievable for two humans to care so much about other people's children. Allison says the impact has been huge, but it was interesting. When I tried to talk to the Hales about this, they seemed downright oblivious. 
that I've no doubt you've changed lives. And that to me is the, you don't think so? No, I don't. There are ripples of effect, I hope, you know. Ripples? Sophomore William Delgado says it's more like tidal waves. Really, music has and can create somebody. And it created me. Studies consistently show that music education helps kids do better in school overall. If for no other reason, then it makes them want to attend. I wish you could be there every time I get to hand an instrument to a student and their eyes light up. Fortunately, the Hales are now starting to understand. If I could thank you every single day of my life, I would. As we go into the holidays, it's good to remember that there is no greater gift than simply telling someone just how important they really are. Steve Hartman, On the Road, in Rochester, New York. Come on, y'all, come on, put your hands together. Another cool story. Why would I share that with you? The goal is that somehow, some way, we inspire you to become such a good problem solver that the world is different because of you. And God wants to use you to accomplish that. Doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter how young you are. You've seen both a young example and an old example. You've seen both examples where they did not focus on their own problems, they focused on solving others, and God did something in their life. This is not 2,000 year old scripture you're seeing. This is today, backing up 2,000 year old scripture. When you need evidence, you need proof. I'm telling you, this is the way God has worked in Simple Church, it's the way He's worked in my life, and in many of your lives as well. So what's the reminder? While you're working on their situation, could be police, could be school kids, could be instruments, whatever someone else's problem is, God is working on your situation. Proverbs eleven twenty four. some people give freely and they gain more, while others refuse to give and end up with less. What are we saying here? It's this concept of, I've got to save this for me, and I've got to worry about this for me. And God's like, boy, you're missing it. If we could just take our eyes off of what's in it for you and find a way to keep pushing, challenging ourselves to look at what's available to others, God does something in you and meets your needs way beyond what you could imagine. And for many of you, you're going, okay, Justin, I hear you, but this is a pretty rough time for me right now. I'm going through a divorce. I just filed bankruptcy. There may be something in your mind. It's like I'm going through these health problems and issues. And you're like, man, these are difficult times for me. Well, here's the challenge. You ready? When you're in the most difficult times, more than ever, look for opportunities to do good. Why? Because when you do, God does something in you. When you do, God does something in you. Galatians 6.10, when you have the opportunity to do good to anyone, what does it say? You do it. So you go, I don't know if I got it. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Why do we do this? Because even though you're struggling, even though you're trying to figure it out, it's not always financial. Sometimes it's just the time to be kind to someone, to encourage someone, to uplift someone. When you choose to do good for them, God does something in return for you. You're going, well, nobody encourages me. I mean, nobody helps me. Nobody gets me through. Listen, 
Take the focus off of yourself and go, all right, God, what can I do for someone else? And watch how he works on your behalf. Now, if you needed more proof, I'm glad you're here because I got one more video for you. And this happens to be my favorite video of everyone I've shown today because it is a true example of someone taking it to the next level. So when you're out there tonight trying to work through your afternoon problems and your, remember this video this morning. When you're struggling through tomorrow and you're trying to figure out what's going to remember this video. Because what you'll see is someone who literally took it to heart. They literally said, how can I focus more on others than myself? And watch what it does for him and look at the smile on his face. Is he rich? According to what you define as rich. Watch. There is a superhero in Pittsburgh. A mild-mannered guy in a funny-looking van who goes around town striking happiness in the hearts of hundreds. If I can go out and help people and have them experience what love is just between neighbors, like, that's sweet. Where's 270? 29-year-old John Potter is a handyman by trade, but he doesn't charge for most of what he does. Do you mind starting it up? Whether it's a pizza delivery guy with no way to deliver or an electric scooter guy awesome. with no way to scoot. Yeah. John is always to the rescue. Um, actually, let's throw it in the back. Like, just like a saint, pretty much. He like He's willing to help anybody with whatever size problem you have. It might take me a day, honestly. John finds his rescuees on Reddit. People who have a window broken out or can't afford the roof they need or maybe just want help moving. John does it all for total strangers. That took a huge brain switch. He started uh, doing this four years ago after a woman approached him at this gas station. And she's like, hey, can I um, get a ride to the battered women's shelter or can I have money for the bus? And your answer? I said, no, sorry. It was a response he regretted almost immediately. Yeah, that haunted me right from the start. John vowed from that day forward he would say yes to anyone who asked for help no matter what they needed. And so far he's done about a thousand good deeds. Has he ever been scammed? He doesn't know, and quite frankly, he doesn't care. I give because I want to give, and that's just for me, and if anything, I go to bed and I feel happy. Yeah, come on in. Happy, but not wealthy. Is the check okay? Typically, John has just a few hundred dollars to his name, and yet he continues to give, sometimes a lot more than just handyman services. Um, would you mind carrying it to the car? After the kidney surgery, I can't lift anything. That's right. John has now moved on to vital organs. It's unbelievable. Last month, Michael Moore, another total stranger, got John's kidney. This is not fixing somebody's scooter. No, it's an unbelievable act of kindness. Michael says the best gift ever, but not only for the obvious reason. Because you find out that there's other people in the world that care, and uh, that's, a, that's a strong message. A message that John says is only going to get louder. I really want to give a piece of my liver. Are you joking? No. If the grave is home plate, I want to come sliding into it at this point, you know? Bare minimum <laughs> organs. I don't know, you might find me on uh, My Strange Addiction, like I'm addicted to giving organs. <laughs> addicted to helping others. There are certainly worse vices. Steve Hartman, On the Road, in Pittsburgh. Come on. <laughs> That's pretty crazy, right? Did you hear the guy said, he said, that's a strong message. So what you may be thinking or asking yourself, was well, that guy a Christian or not? I don't know, but here's what I will tell you. When I think about us, 
when I think about you, me, the simple church, and I think about what you're known for, I've said it a bunch, but I don't want it to be messages. I don't want it to be music, although I think we do okay in messages and I think we do really good in music. What I really want us to be known for is the way that we solve problems and the way that in the process of solving that problems, Jesus is glorified because it's a strong message. So you can talk, but talk is cheap. This dude gave his kidney up, y'all, to a stranger. Not like one of his best friends, not a classmate, somebody that he grew up with. Someone he did not know at all. And I start thinking like, now it's on national news, it's telling other people, and he's like, man, I'm kind of just wanting to do everything I can to help because I realize what it's doing really for himself. See, this is the Jesus principle. If you want to live, you have to learn to die. If you want to be first, you need to be last. And I start looking through all of our lives. We're all striving for this or that, whether it's business success or personal success or trying to raise our kids to be the best. And if you're going to teach your kids anything, if we're going to educate in our home or in our schools, shouldn't it be that others are more important than ourselves? And shouldn't it be that in the process of serving others and meeting those needs, God does something in you and God changes you? And it's easy to forget because we just go on about our life and we get hung up in society and culture and jobs and careers and uh, busyness. So Hebrews, it's interesting that it starts with this phrase, and don't forget. As if he almost knew that we would be struggling with remembering to doing what? To doing good. And share what you have with others because sacrifices like these are pleasing to God. You notice he doesn't talk about a sermon in here. He don't talk about a song. He talks about sharing what you have being a sacrifice. So when you talk about a little bit of money to help feed local kids or a little bit of time to go serve at the hub, whether it's a little bit of resources you have to help a kid with a playground in your community or to help a police officer get essential training, it's a sacrifice. I know it's a sacrifice. But what I believe is, is God says, hey, when you sacrifice, I'm very pleased with you because it's not about you. And I know you're tempted. God, I got this big problem though. God, you got to help me. How am I going to find this or get through this? And he's like, here's what I'm telling you. If you go and be a blessing for someone else, to someone else, your miracle is waiting for you. And it might just be in that moment that you help that other person. God does something to you that changes you forever. People want to know why in the cemeteries we're always pushing for this. Is because when I look at scripture and I look at story after story after story, there's this constant theme. Somehow the churches lose sight of this and it's like you just get off on these weird tangents and things are going off that aren't quite as important as we think they are. And we miss this love element. You miss this sacrifice element. You miss this do good element. And people say, well, you can't earn your way into heaven. Well, I've never said you could earn your way into heaven. But what I will tell you is, is that every time you sacrifice and you do good for somebody else, God does something for you. That's not me, that's the promise. 
that's the examples that we've seen. And one I didn't talk about, but I'll give you the little extra bonus lesson because you listen so well, class, was Joseph. Look at the story of Joseph. You remember his brother sold him out, threw him into slavery. Everything was not going well. And while he was in prison, what did Joseph do? He kept meeting other people's needs. He kept serving other people, serving other people, serving other people. And in the end, the very thing that he needed and the very thing that he wanted was given to him. He met the needs of his own family who had betrayed him. He became a person of authority and power. And in those very moments, he didn't use that authority and power to get revenge or to get back at him. He just continued to serve. Why would these stories of Ruth and Joseph be so relevant for us today? Because they all point to the person of Jesus. See, and in church, you grew up with the church was always Jesus was pointing the finger. He was mad. You're going to hell. You're doing this wrong. This is wrong. Where what I see is a Jesus that walks among the sinners. What I see is a Jesus who walks into the most difficult problems that were happening at that time and he became a solution. Whether that was religion problems or sickness problems or hunger problems. And what I challenge you and I to do is to be the same. Let's not point our finger, this is what happens and you need to do this. Let's just be Jesus. And if we're going to be Jesus, we're going to die to ourselves. We're going to put others first and we're going to sacrifice to make sure that others' needs are met before ours. And while we do that, he says, I got your back. I'm going to take care of you. So I'm so thankful for you being here. I don't want you to miss next week. We need to blow them away. If you have any extra resources, if you want to help us in any other way to help all meet these needs, do it. Whether that's time or resources and whether that's police officers, help us. Cut the check. If it's helping us, all of that money, 100% of what you give on those things are going straight into them. And why would I ask you to do that? It's because then those individuals that receive those benefits and that training or that help go, man, somebody loves me. Who did this? Who, who made this happen? Oh, it's a simple church. And what, why would they do that? Because that's what Christ calls us to. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the examples that we've seen today. Real life examples. Old, young, sacrificial in ways that man, blow our minds. People walked in here and they had their problems, their own issues that they're working through. And I pray that right now you would reveal to them the truth of what your word says, that you love them, that you care for them. And if they will die to themselves and put you first and ask you to come to their life, not religion, not a church, but you, you will guide and direct them to the place of sacrifice. And when we sacrifice and serve others, it pleases you and it meets our needs like nothing else. I thank you for each and every person that's in this room. Bless them, God. Help them when they walk out to remember to die to self, to put you first, to trust you more than ever, and to continue to do good the way you called us to. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for a chance to start over fresh today. Help us when we walk out there to change the world. In your name, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.